the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bible, the most unique book in all of human history. It claims to be divine in origin, and it delivers a message that, if true, affects every human being on the planet Earth, in this life, and in whatever awaits us when this life is over. The Bible is unique in its survival. Over the past 2,000 years, no other book has been subjected to the intense scrutiny that the Bible has endured. Generations of linguists, historians, and archaeologists have explored the details of the Bible's production and tested the accuracy of its transmission to us today. Critics and foes have come and gone. Problems have been raised and solved. And still the Bible stands, totally alone in the degree of its historical accuracy and reliability. The Bible is also unique in foretelling future events. The Old Testament alone contains over 2,000 specific predictions about people, cities, nations, and empires. Predictions made hundreds of years before being perfectly fulfilled in history. The Bible is unique in its influence. It's been called the fountainhead of Western civilization and is by far the most quoted text in America's founding documents. Millions of men, women, and children from every station and walk of life have felt the liberating, redeeming power of this book of books, and their changed lives have changed the world and the course of history. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar is your opportunity to hear this unique book, the entire Bible, every year. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Soapy Dollar. And here we are. Thanking you, as always, as we begin this edition of the Bible Live broadcast. Thank you, too, for the contact, for the emails, for the phone calls. We are so glad that you're joining with us as we read through the scriptures together. And there's so many who join us each and every night, brand new. You have not, for some reason or other, discovered the Bible Live. This unique opportunity you have to hear the entire Bible every year as we read our way through it. We're glad to have you along. We're in tonight the Gospel of Mark. We'll be reading chapters 13 and 14 this evening, and I'll be catching you up on that passage. We are in the last week now of the earthly life of Jesus, the Messiah, the last week of his carrying out successfully the role of the Messiah, the one who would live a perfect life of faith and trust and obedience to the Father, yielding his entire life to the Father, even as he is the very Son of God with all the power, the authority, the initiative and prerogative of the Son of God. He voluntarily lays that aside. He doesn't cease being God by any means, but he lays aside those rights, the authority. He lays it aside and voluntarily lives a life of subjection, subordination to the Father, depending upon the Father and the Spirit at work in his life to walk out the life of perfect faith and trust and obedience to the Father. As you notice, it is not trouble-free. I asked a believer, a friend of mine tonight, what would the perfect Christian look like? 
if we did walk into that experience of recognizing that it is Jesus' life that is living through us and we rest in that, what does that look like? It looks kind of like almost any one of us who is walking in a growing, slowly learning experience, discovering who we are in Christ who God has created us to be in salvation. Our life might look more and more like Jesus himself. I say that simply because you would think Jesus' life would go ideal as he's the perfect man. But no, he experienced a lot of upheaval and stress and even pain in his life as well. Right now, let's go to the book of Proverbs for our wisdom and worship Proverbs segment. Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 10. My child, listen to me and treasure my instructions. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and understanding. Search for them as you would for lost money or hidden treasure. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord, and you will gain knowledge of God. For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of good sense to the godly. He is their shield, protecting those who walk with integrity. He guards the path of justice and protects those who are faithful to him. Then you will understand what is right, just, and fair, and you will know how to find the right course of action every time. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will fill you with joy. End of reading, Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 10. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Thy word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Beautiful song reminding us of that truth. Tonight in the opening chapters of the book of Proverbs, there is a personification of wisdom. This lady who calls out in the streets, calling us to trust God, to follow God, to obey God. Of course, you don't get wisdom just by getting degrees. Wisdom is how we learn to apply the truth to real-life situations and relationships. And, of course, it's a constant process of growing. We make a lifelong series of choices and avoid moral pitfalls, or we learn from those mistakes and move forward. When we do make sinful choices and mistakes, we learn to acknowledge that mistake to the Lord, receive our forgiveness, and trust in His power to remove those sins in our life. It's a constant process of growing into the image of Christ, and gaining wisdom is a part of that process. Well, let's go back now to the Gospel of Mark. We are in that last week of the life of Jesus. He has been confronting the religious leaders, perhaps in a more concentrated way than ever before, because now after the raising of Lazarus from the dead, the religious leaders have decided that he must die, he must be removed. Jesus is there. He has gone into the temple very publicly, and he has very publicly confronted the religious leaders with their own arrogance and pride and sin. And so tonight, Jesus talks about the future of the church, the future of his people, and then we'll get into his arrest, his trial, and his crucifixion on The Bible Life. Mark thirteen one through fourteen seventy two, Mark 13. As Jesus was leaving the temple that day, one of his disciples said, Teacher, look at these tremendous buildings. Look at the massive stones in the walls. Jesus replied, These magnificent buildings will be so completely demolished that not one stone will be left on top of another. Later, Jesus sat on the slopes of the Mount of Olives across the valley from the temple. Peter, James, John, and Andrew came to him privately and asked him, When will all this take place? 
And will there be any sign ahead of time to show us when all this will be fulfilled? Jesus replied, Don't let anyone mislead you, because many will come in my name claiming to be the Messiah. They will lead many astray, and wars will break out near and far. But don't panic. Yes, these things must come, but the end won't follow immediately. Nations and kingdoms will proclaim war against each other, and there will be earthquakes in many parts of the world, and famines. But all this will only be the beginning of the horrors to come. But when these things begin to happen, watch out. You will be handed over to the courts and beaten in the synagogues. You will be accused before governors and kings of being my followers. This will be your opportunity to tell them about me. And the good news must first be preached to every nation. But when you are arrested and stand trial, don't worry about what to say in your defense. Just say what God tells you to. Then it is not you who will be speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death. Fathers will betray their own children, and children will rise against their parents and cause them to be killed. And everyone will hate you because of your allegiance to me, but those who endure to the end will be saved. The time will come when you will see the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing where it should not be. Reader, pay attention. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person outside the house must not go back into the house to pack. A person in the field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for mothers nursing their babies in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in winter, for those will be days of greater horror than at any time since God created the world, and it will never happen again. In fact, unless the Lord shortens that time of calamity, the entire human race will be destroyed. But for the sake of His chosen ones, He has shortened those days. And then if anyone tells you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, don't pay any attention. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform miraculous signs and wonders, so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. Watch out! I have warned you. At that time, after those horrible days end, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man arrive on the clouds with great power and glory, and he will send forth his angels to gather together his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its buds become tender and its leaves begin to sprout, you know without being told that summer is near. Just so, when you see the events I've described beginning to happen, you can be sure that his return is very near, right at the door. I assure you this generation will not pass from the scene until all these events have taken place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will remain forever. However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. And since you don't know when they will happen, stay alert and keep watch. The coming of the Son of Man can be compared with that of a man who left home to go on a trip. He gave each of his employees instructions about the work they were to do, and he told the gatekeeper to watch for his return. So keep a sharp lookout, for you do not know when the homeowner will return, at evening, midnight, early dawn, or late daybreak. Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch for his return. This is the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Mark 14. It was now two days before the Passover celebration and the festival of unleavened bread. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law were still looking for an opportunity to capture Jesus secretly and put him to death. 
but not during the Passover, they agreed, or there will be a riot. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had leprosy. During supper, a woman came in with a beautiful jar of expensive perfume. She broke the seal and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why was this expensive perfume wasted, they asked. She could have sold it for a small fortune and given the money to the poor. And they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, Leave her alone. Why berate her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, and you can help them whenever you want to. But I will not be here with you much longer. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I assure you, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be talked about in her memory. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve disciples, went to the leading priest to arrange to betray Jesus to them. The leading priests were delighted when they heard why he had come, and they promised him a reward. So he began looking for the right time and place to betray Jesus. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the day the Passover lambs were sacrificed, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go to prepare the Passover supper? So Jesus sent two of them into Jerusalem to make the arrangements. As you go into the city, he told them, A man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is the place. Go ahead and prepare our supper there. So the two disciples went on ahead into the city and found everything just as Jesus had said, and they prepared the Passover supper there. In the evening Jesus arrived with the twelve disciples. As they were sitting around the table eating, Jesus said, the truth is, one of you will betray me, one of you who is here eating with me. Greatly distressed, one by one, they began to ask him, I'm not the one, am I? He replied, It is one of you twelve, one who is eating with me now, for I, the Son of Man, must die, as the Scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible it will be for my betrayer, far better for him if he had never been born. As they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread and asked God's blessing on it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood, poured out for many, sealing the covenant between God and his people. I solemnly declare that I will not drink wine again until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. This is the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. All of you will desert me, Jesus told them. For the scriptures say God will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Peter said to him, Even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. Peter, Jesus replied, The truth is, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. No, Peter insisted, not even if I have to die with you. I will never deny you. And all the others vowed the same. And they came to an olive grove called Gethsemane. And Jesus said, Sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be filled with horror and deep distress. He told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. He went on a little farther and fell face down on the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. 
please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will, not mine. Then he returned and found the disciples asleep. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you stay awake and watch with me even one hour? Keep alert and pray, otherwise temptation will overpower you. For though the spirit is willing enough, the body is weak. Then Jesus left them again and prayed, repeating his pleadings. Again he returned to them and found them sleeping, for they just couldn't keep their eyes open, and they didn't know what to say. When he returned to them the third time, he said, Still sleeping? Still resting? Enough. The time has come. I, the Son of Man, am betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. See, my betrayer is here. And immediately as he said this, Judas, one of the twelve disciples, arrived with a mob that was armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent out by the leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the other leaders. Judas had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I go over and give him the kiss of greeting. Then you can take him away under guard. As soon as they arrived, Judas walked up to Jesus. Teacher, he exclaimed, and gave him the kiss. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But someone pulled out a sword and slashed off an ear of the high priest's servant. Jesus asked them, Am I some dangerous criminal that you come armed with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there teaching every day, but these things are happening to fulfill what the scriptures say about me. This is the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Meanwhile, all his disciples deserted him and ran away. There was a young man following along behind, clothed only in a linen nightshirt. When the mob tried to grab him, they tore off his clothes, but he escaped and ran away naked. Jesus was led to the high priest's home, where the leading priest, other leaders, and teachers of religious law had gathered. Meanwhile, Peter followed far behind and then slipped inside the gates of the high priest's courtyard. For a while he sat with the guards, warming himself by the fire. Inside, the leading priest and the entire high council were trying to find witnesses who would testify against Jesus, so they could put him to death. But their efforts were in vain. Many false witnesses spoke against him, but they contradicted each other. Finally, some men stood up to testify against him with this lie. We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands, and in three days I will build another made without human hands. But even then they didn't get their story straight. Then the high priest stood up before the others and asked Jesus, Well, aren't you going to answer these charges? What do you have to say for yourself? Jesus made no reply. Then the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed God? Jesus said, I am, and you will see me, the Son of Man, sitting at God's right hand in the place of power and coming back on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothing to show his horror and said, Why do we need other witnesses? You have all heard his blasphemy. What is your verdict? And they all condemned him to death. Then some of them began to spit at him, and they blindfolded him and hit his face with their fists. Who hit you that time, you prophet? They jeered, and even the guards were hitting him as they led him away. Meanwhile, Peter was below in the courtyard. One of the servant girls who worked for the high priest noticed Peter warming himself at the fire. She looked at him closely and then said, You were one of those with Jesus, the Nazarene. Peter denied it. I don't know what you're talking about, he said, and he went out into the entryway. Just then, a rooster crowed. The servant girl saw him standing there and began telling the others, That man is definitely one of them. Peter denied it again. A little later, some other bystanders began saying to Peter, You must be one of them because you are from Galilee. Peter said, I swear by God, I don't know this man you're talking about. And immediately the rooster crowed the second time. 
Suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and cried. End of reading, Mark 13, 1 through 14, 72. Blessed is the man who walks in your favor Who loves all your words and hides them like treasure This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Of his desperate heart They are alive There's a lot of variety in the passage tonight. Jesus with his disciples, this comment about the temple, this magnificent building, and it was truly a magnificent edifice built by Solomon. And then, of course, Herod the Great had made tremendous improvements and repairs. So this was indeed an impressive building. And Jesus says it will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. And, of course, that prediction did come true in 70 A.D. Not too many years after Jesus gave this prediction here, the Romans did destroy the temple. That comes up again in his trial that he said he would destroy this temple. Uh, Of course, he did not say that, but this statement was used against him. But then his disciples, it triggers in them this question about the end times, these predictions that Jesus gives us about the future. Some of those had a near-time application, a near-time fulfillment, the destruction of the temple by the Romans. Some of them have a long-term application and fulfillment as we await his coming even now. So we can talk about that, and we can talk about these experiences now with the woman who anoints Jesus with perfume. I love these very personal stories in the home of Simon. I wonder which one of the lepers that Jesus had healed was it that they were in his home on that evening. Quite an interesting segment. I've got a great friend with me, a great brother in Christ. Gary McQuaid has been with us a number of times here on The Bible Live through the years. He has been able to sit in for me. He's a, in my view, at least, he would be embarrassed if I said this about him anywhere else. A great a man of the word, very knowledgeable about the scriptures. So I'm going to bring Gary into our conversation tonight and ask him a little bit as well about what he gleaned from this reading tonight. Gary, thanks for joining me tonight. I appreciate you being in the studio with me. Good to be here. As you listen to this tonight, these last couple of days in Jesus' life, what have you thought about those times? The part I enjoy the most is the anointing of Jesus by Mary at Bethany. Yes. I love Jesus in touch with people. One detail I saw there, this was evidently a great deal of money. It says here they were at the home of Simon. Bethphage and Bethany are on the eastern side of the Mount of Olives. Jerusalem is on the western side, just a couple of miles over. In the evenings, he would go back and stay with his friends in these villages, not always in the home of Martha and Mary and Lazarus, two sisters and a brother. Lazarus was the one he had raised from the dead. Now they're in the home of, it says here, a man named Simon who previously had leprosy. Makes you wonder which one of the lepers that Jesus healed, which one was this one here, Simon? Was this that one maybe that came back and said, thank you? I guess we don't have the answer to the question. Maybe that was Simon, the one that Jesus was spending the night with in this occasion. But whatever it was, while they were eating, Mary comes in with this alabaster jar. Tell us a little bit about it. There's more going on in that event than what we read here. The disciples were there also uh-huh. when Mary pours this very expensive ointment out on Jesus. There's an outcry. What a waste to pour this out, this perfectly good ointment out on Jesus. 
through history, there have been people who've given up fame and fortune. I'll give you a modern one. George Beverly Shea. He can outsing Frank Sinatra. I don't care who you name. He can outsing all of them. And yet he wasted his life singing to bring people into the life of Christ. George Beverly Shea, of course, the longtime companion and teammate on the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. George Beverly Shea sang uh, often at Billy Graham Crusades all over the world. He could have made millions, millions singing, and yet he wasted his life. Instead of going on one of these reality shows, being a star or whatever, and making his fortune and getting famous. You know, Gary, I think there are probably more people who do that than we know of, who have quietly made the decision, whatever I've got, I'm going to invest them in God's kingdom. And there are others through his history who gave up promising careers. C.T. Studd. Yeah, a fortune he gave away. Gave up a fortune. One of the premier athletes of his day. Mm -hmm. Of all places, he went to China when it wasn't popular. (laughs) Here's this presentation of somebody wasting his life on Jesus. And, and Jesus stands up for and, her. And Jesus you know. says, you have the poor with you. She's done this for me. And she seemed to be the only one who got it, yes, that Jesus was right. actually going to die. And look that's at these right. words. I tell you the truth. Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed, just like it was that's here tonight right. on Revival Live. Right. Well, my sincere thanks to my friend Gary McQuaid being a pal as we go through the scriptures together. So much that could be commented upon, as always, in all of these different passages. Judas betrays Jesus as Jesus goes through this mockery, really, of a trial. There were several illegalities in it. As he moves toward that ultimate gift of himself, laying down his life voluntarily so that you and I could be reconciled to God be born again, and experience his life forever. There is that wonderful story of Mary, and whatever you offer to the Lord, he's going to accept, however little it might be. But whatever he accepts, he's going to purify. And when he purifies, he's going to bless it. And when he blesses it, he's going to multiply it back into your life so you'll have more to lay at his feet. See you next time, folks, on The Bible Live. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Soapy reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndall House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Start today and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.